welcome everybody to the Discovery It podcast. This is Paul, and Ray is going to be talking about complex trauma part two. So why don't we go ahead and let Ray take over the mic? Go ahead, Ray. All right, thanks, Paul. Yeah, so we have we've done a previous uh, podcast on complex trauma. We talked about a little bit about what I learned through watching some videos that Paul sent on complex trauma. Biggest thing standing out as kind of a recap from that is that uh, it leads to intense feelings of shame. So one of the strongest emotions that people deal with when having gone through complex trauma is shame. And we talked about all the ways that that can affect our behaviors and our relationships as we grow older. Trauma, as many people are familiar with just the you know, general term trauma, is that any situation that puts uh, a person in danger, a feeling that they uh, have to fear for their, their life or their safety, and that that person feels that they have no control or ability to escape from. So three of the main things that that causes a person to respond to those sort of situations is through uh, fight, you know, most people are familiar with fight or flight, but also the freeze, which is most common in childhood development where that child is not able to flee or to fight. And complex trauma is just multiple areas of trauma, whether it be abuse, neglect, or abandonment compounded, you know, throughout a a child's development, um, some of us experience multiple areas of trauma. And it's just the way that that builds up in a person's life, especially as they're developing and uh, coming to know who they are and what that means, you know, what they mean to the world around them. So after learning, and um, I talked a little bit about some of the exercises I was doing, the main one that I experienced a lot of benefit from was the uh, the mirror exercises, which is just standing in front of the mirror, connecting with yourself, telling yourself, I love you. And doing that uh, several times, I typically do it 10 times. So I make it a point to at least twice a day, stand in front of the mirror. And of course, you know, beyond just saying it, actually connecting to that feeling. And at the first time, uh, the first couple of times I did it, it was, uh, I definitely noticed something happening because it was awakening, uh, waking up a feeling that I don't normally feel, you know, about myself. And when going through those videos, it, it was an eye-opener to me that I had felt that way, you know. <clears throat> I had dealt with feelings of shame or inadequacy, just not being good enough or just not being happy with myself. Although there was many areas of my life that I had improved on, I was always um, striving for more, for better, to overcome challenges, but not even realizing how much that was uh, an attempt to be good enough. You know, if I can learn this many things, if I can grow in this many areas, then maybe I will be good enough. So at the root, there was a feeling of just dissatisfaction, no matter how much I'd accomplished, no matter how much I'd learned. And being able to 
realize that was a major shift for me because then I could begin actually attacking that issue of shame. So that's one thing that I want to share with everyone is to consider because as we talked about before, denial, doubt, things like that can keep these areas of our life in the shadows for so long where we go around trying to find solutions everywhere else. But through one of the biggest things I think is just suppression of emotions. So as we go through this tra- these traumas in our childhood, one of the responses we, we turn to is suppressing our emotions and how we feel, especially if we're in an environment where that's not uh, welcomed or embraced, you know, uh, a lot of times we're told to suck it up, to get over it, you know. And so we just learn a lot of these things. We just learn at a young age. We become very good at it, and it just takes us a long time to realize that that is what had happened, you know. So we're engaged in these behaviors and these mindsets, and we're looking at things that are in front of us, but these mindsets have become so set in their ways that we're not even aware of that anymore regardless of how much it's affecting everything that we do on a daily basis. So some of the major ways that it was affecting everything I was doing on a daily basis was, one, talking about that just general sense of dissatisfaction, but also with relationships, commitment issues, abandonment issues, avoiding intimate connections and healthy relationships with people because – of going back to that suppressing, uh, suppression of emotion, but also it's a general hiding who you are, you know, not allowing your true self to come out, to express your truth, your authentic self, who you really are, how you really feel, because growing up in, the, in those environments, we learn that if these things happen to us, two, two questions that... Um, I, I learned from the videos is that two questions as you're growing up, you're, you're asking subconsciously or consciously is, am I lovable and do I have value? So if we go through neglect, if we go through various forms of abuse, abandonment, a parent that's either there physically but not emotionally or not there physically at all, the answers to those questions are obvious. Um, even if we never address it or acknowledge it, is that I must not be lovable and I must not have much value. You know, so what we do in response to that to protect ourselves is we hide the best we can who we think that we are from the world because we, we believe that if we get too close with some, someone they find out who we truly are, they'll just abandon us the way that, our, you know, our parents did, or our guardian, or whoever was a significant influence in our life. And that's understandable for a child to, to think if we're taught that those are the, the people who should care about us the most. So if the people who should care about us the most are unable to, we don't tend to, uh, until after much searching and realization, you know, maturing, we don't realize that that person is in a state of their own, going through traumas of their own that they're still working through, and that's why it's rolling downhill and affecting us. So instead of that realization, we develop behaviors, modes of thinking that are in alignment with 
that answer to those questions, you know, that I must not be lovable, I must not have value. So I have been opening up a lot more uh, even than I had already before because I've grown in, like I said, many areas working with Paul over the years. So so many things I've accomplished. That's one of the things that keeps me going. It's just an undeniable amount of growth, obstacles that I've overcome. I've convinced myself that anything is possible with time, with effort. But one thing that I'd avoided looking at for, you know, for so long is that area of self-love. Didn't have any idea what it was connected to and avoided like, you know, we all know with most changes, the hardest ones, we, we, we save them for last, you know, and that's what I was doing. Trying to get that sense of satisfaction self-worth through every other external thing that I could get my hands on or focus my attention on and skipping over myself every time. Just the feeling of love in general, self-love first, but that blocks our ability to love others, to connect with others in a meaningful way. And that is something that even as I've started to get an idea of what's you know, I can accomplish or figure out maybe that'll do the trick so that I can avoid these, you know, strong emotions and the turmoil that I'd carried around for so long but didn't know what the root of it was. So I encourage if anyone else is experiencing similar similar things to definitely look into the complex trauma, uh, get with Paul to send you some, some links because I, I definitely learned a lot that I thought I'd already known, but those videos, they put it, they put it so clearly that it definitely uncovered a lot of things for me. But then also some form of self-love, like the mirror exercise, I also do affirmations I've created my own affirmation tapes. I just actually found some on my hard drive that I've created over a year ago where I've got the uh, music in the background that, that, I, that I like, that I enjoy, and then I've recorded my own affirmations so that I'm listening to positive affirmations of self-love, you know, self-love of empowerment, things like that from my own voice. And, um, journaling as well. There's many different ways that we can explore these uh, areas of self-love and that I think that they also lead into other uh, activities and things like that. So for me, working out, um, going out to eat, you know, just myself sometimes, you know, just doing things and really enjoying. Like one thing that I got into lately, I avoided most of my life is cooking. I always thought it was just tedious. I told myself every excuse, every reason why it wasn't for me. I would eat out all the time. And now I found myself, you know, waking up Saturday and Sunday mornings, cooking breakfast, listening to music, you know, dancing, enjoying life, you know, without any need for a drug or alcohol or a specific person, you know, to, to, to pull from you know, those feelings of just joy. I think that that's the state that we all are created to uh, experience 
that we go through life, you know, through the result of sin, we all have to find our way back to that place. And I think that's that's one of the biggest areas in my life that kept me from that place. And it didn't, again, didn't matter what I was able to accomplish on the outside. And it reminds me of people that accomplish. I mean, there's no doubt that they, they've accomplished mo- most of or more than anyone could wish, but yet could still commit suicide or they're still unhappy. So I'd always thought that in my own life that, I realized that I could probably do anything I put my mind to, but I always thought in the back of my mind that if I'd gotten it, everything I could ever want, I would. I had a deep sense of knowing that I would still be unhappy, but just didn't know why. And uh, it wasn't until watching these videos on complex trauma and going back and exploring these different areas and how they affected me that I was able to start moving with intention through this being one of the biggest obstacles of all and it affects everything, everything else around it wasn't until then that I was able to tackle it. And also it's, it's a pro it's a, uh, a process. So moving into this area of my life and this, this point of development, I've been seeing little things that would, give me a sense or an idea that something was going on there. And so I say that to say that you may also be, you know, get signs or feelings that something is going on in that area, uh, especially with trauma, with complex trauma in childhood. For me, it took me years. In the past couple of months, I watched these videos that Paul sent, and and I've learned a lot, but in the past years, I've been slowly, piece by piece, uncovering the truth that things happen during my childhood and, and that they affected me in a way. I'd always told myself uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't affected. Any conversation about my relationship with my father, things that happened growing up, I was like, yeah, you know, no big deal to me, you know. And would often get that response from people like, wow, you went through that, you know, that, that must be rough. Oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. You know, it didn't bother me that much. Not realizing that it's affecting everything I do and feel and think about the world, you know, behaviors I choose for myself, relationships I choose for myself, everything that makes up who I am and how I show up in the world, it was affecting, but yet I'm saying it didn't make a difference. You know, it didn't bother me that much. It bothered me completely. There was no area of my life that it didn't affect, but denial can do that, and it can sometimes take a long time to unpack that. So I encourage anyone to at least look at and consider things that may have affected and be and be continuing to affect how you behave, the choices that you make, uh, the types of people that you accept into your life, because there's no amount of external things that you can control or change that can truly unpack that, like looking at the effects of trauma on our life and develop, developing, if you haven't already, a true sense of self-love. And that's a, a work in progress. It's been a couple of weeks now, maybe maybe two months now that I've been discovering this area and doing things, being proactive about making it different than what it's been. And that's 
something we've also talked about, the, how it can try to take you off that, that path. And I've felt that many times and still do, but just making my mind up that I'm going to once and for all get through this. One thing that I'm not going to struggle with moving forward is self-love, is confidence. That's something that I'm going to help other people to get through in their life. It's no longer going to control mine. And so no matter what it takes, even though I will meet resistance, it will try to take me off course. I'm going to continue because that's the only way to, to overcome this area, you know, in my life. So wanted to just elaborate on that more since we did a brief topic on it. And then also just to give an update, you know, of my experience moving forward to this process in hopes that if anyone else is going through it, it may be inspired to, to look closer and to be, be proactive because we all know looking is half the battle. It's, it's a huge part becoming aware, but being proactive, actually doing the exercises. And that's another thing that even prior to watching the videos, I learned about this self-love exercise and I did it once or twice, but could never make a habit of doing it. And that's one thing I was talking to Paul about today that I notice as I begin to feel more self-love, I feel the tendency to not do the exercise as much. So I'll miss it maybe in the morning. And I'm like, I'm noticing what's happening because it is finding an opportunity. And he does that in so many different ways that you feel that you're starting to, to uh, overcome something or you're like, whatever issue you was having, you're not having it as intensely anymore. Well, you don't have as much motivation as you once did to make the change. So you, you, you start to, to backslide. Well, being aware of that and understanding that you have to take control of that because otherwise you will slip right back to where you came from. You know, so I'm, you know, steadily on myself and, and tell myself that if I did it twice a day for the rest of my life, what, what is there to lose? You know, what am I, how am I inconvenienced by 15 seconds in the morning, 15 seconds at night of really connecting with myself and, you know, experiencing that self-love. But in reality, it's really the, the resistance to change. It's not the 15 seconds in the morning and the evening, but it's actually facing yourself and facing those, those feelings that have been there for so long. And that is the true victory is whenever you can, you know, bring yourself to the table every day to face these things again, not because it's easy, but because it's the only way that you're going to free yourself from whatever it is that is stopping you from being your true intended self, you know, and that's it for a uh, complex drum. Thank you very much, Ray. That was a fantastic uh, presentation. You know, over the uh, journey of your self-discovery in the past 10 years, you've definitely went through many, many different levels of transformation. And it just goes to show that uh, we have our own time schedule, how we grow, how we develop, how we transform and reinvent our lives. I just want to say you've done a fantastic job so far, and uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate the presentation, Ray. Thank you, Paul. Amanda, apply how complex trauma has affected you in your life. 
Oh. I mean. <laughs> okay. So I am dealing with it, of course, right now. In um, the uh, the area of my weight, I think I've mentioned that before, and um, that there was an incident when I was 13, and ever since then I put on weight to, um, you know, I get that. Not that I realized until I spoke with Paul and we had some sessions, and, but um, that I had put on the weight to protect myself so that I made sure I was not vulnerable. So now it's trying to unravel all of that and have the self-love and to say that, hey, you know what, just like Ray said, that for once and for all, I'm going to actually tackle this. Even though, you know, everything I've not right into death, right in the past has never seemed to work for me, this time I am going to take it slow and one step at a time. And, I mean, I have got a great team in my background that is, um, you know, consists of Paul and doctors and coaches and everything else, nutritionists, and I am going, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find this. And I think at the core of all of that is the complex trauma of what occurred and what I tried to protect myself from. And then going on into my life, though, you know, that that wasn't the, the only time that I had complex trauma that would have added to my need to protect myself from being vulnerable. So, which is fascinating that Ray brought that up about the mirror exercise and the self-love because I actually heard that for the first time the other day. And I thought, well, that was fascinating, you know? And I wondered that if I, um, what would I feel if I had that or if I, I tried that, that exercise and to see, you know, what effect would it have on? Because I, I do know that so many people that have carried extra weight as a protection mechanism. One of the things that they seem to say a lot when they have come through that and dealt with that trauma and, and actually shed the weight and changed their life, they see a reoccurring thing that they say is, I wish that I could go back to that person that started this journey, like they're talking about their heavy self, and love them and just say, it's okay, you've got this, and to just love them. If I could have loved myself through that position, then how much easier and more enjoyable would my whole entire journey of self-discovery and weight loss would have been compared to what it was? Because to begin with, how you know they talk about how they punish themselves, they punish themselves, and that is how they get the weight off to begin with until they realize that, hey, you know, I am, I am worthy of love. I do need love. And so... Um, yeah, just kind of look, looking into that and uh, applying it to my life and being aware of that and where I'm not coming at it from a punishing sort of a way. Um, frustrated, yes. Punishing, no. Um, and saying that it's okay. It's okay to take this one ounce at a time. It's okay to take this one workout at a time, one meal at a time. It's perfectly fine. Rome was not built in a day. I've got this. Congratulations, congratulations, uh, Amanda. I think uh, you and Jared have, have done a fantastic job in you tackling one of the most challenging areas of your life. You're doing very good. Just Thank like you. I, just like I've mentioned to you before, m many people 
overcome different challenges in different ways and uh, very proud of you and, and your transformation so far. Thank you. Miss Debbie, let's use the uh, same question. Apply how complex trauma has affected you in your life. Um, I would say that uh, one of the biggest things that I notice about myself, um, complex trauma-wise, I, I was daughter of alcoholic parents. And so um, one of the things about that is you never know exactly what you're dealing with and you're always trying to please everybody. I mean, um, and you take yourself out of the game completely. So, uh, you know, I, throughout my life, I'm always trying to be a people pleaser. I'm always trying to make everybody happy, which when you have more than two people in the room, that's not possible um, because there's always going to be someone that's unhappy, and that person sometimes is even me. Um, so that's what I've seen what I've taken on is just like um, Amanda was saying, you know, learning to love myself, learning to not be so critical about myself. Yeah, you know, I had I had someone say one time that I was a perfectionist, and I was like, "Just come to my house, you'll see. I'm not a perfectionist." I mean, oh my gosh! But then I find myself always. In my head, I always hear, oh, I have to wait for the perfect moment. Oh, I have to wait for the perfect time. Oh, this isn't, this isn't perfect. You know, it, it, when I really started listening to what was going through my head, I found that word perfect was there quite a lot. Uh, and now I think I, 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 I I tend to accept myself more for who I am and who I'm not. I'm committed to being fully self-expressed. And so um, there are a lot of times where I may not want to say what I need to say, but I do. You know, I just try to make sure that I frame it in such a, a fashion that um, that it's not going to hurt someone else because that's not my objective is to hurt someone else to be fully self-expressed, you know, but have them understand that, you know, what was said or what was done was not acceptable to me and the person that I've become. I think that's pretty much it. And then I've also, like Ray, been doing that exercise, and I haven't been real consistent about it. I'd like to be more, see, because I'm not perfect. But taking on the exercise of telling myself I love me in the mirror and looking at that and feeling it and trying to make sure I feel it very deeply and to give myself a lot of grace. Well, I have to admit that uh, in the in the short period of time that you've got on to the journey of self-discovery, you've really uh, transpired and uh, I'm proud of you and uh, every one of my clients that has successfully overcome a lot of the challenges in their lives. Really appreciate your presentation this evening. Thank you. Emily, are you on the line?
I absolutely am. I've been waiting patiently. <laughs> how let's apply mm-hmm. how complex trauma has affected you in one or more areas of your life. Well, I, I'd first like to say I'm not quite sure if everybody on the podcast tonight knows that Ray is my son. And um, and I know he's been with you for, you know, 10 years or more, and uh, I've just, you know, been on here for maybe about a year. But I'll tell you, you know, how this complex trauma affects us, how we don't even know it affects our loved ones. Because when, when Ray, a couple of weeks ago, talked about complex trauma, and he talked about shame, and he talked about abandonment, I'm sitting here on the phone, and I'm listening, I'm thinking, what are you talking about, you know? Oh, my God, we had everything. This kid had everything. He had the life, everything. And as a parent, I'm thinking, what's going on with my child? You know, you got, you got all the clothes, your room was decorated, this and that. But... You know, as I've been going through these podcasts and I'm listening, how much that we don't know as a parent what we're doing to our child with the fighting, the argument, the drinking, the drugging, the not being there and this and that, all this kind of stuff. Because I, I, I sat looking, I'm like, you know, God, you know, Ray is tall, he's good looking, he's got a good... What, what does he have? What issues does he have? But I don't know as a parent what trauma he has been through, and he doesn't know either me as his parents what trauma I have been through, and that, as you say from, you know, the past conditioning stuff that we've been through, we don't even realize what we are doing to our children, to other loved ones, other family members, or to ourselves. But I know, and, and there was a few weeks ago when Ray was talking about it, and he said, Emily, what complex trauma have you been I'm like, And I'm like, nothing. I don't even know what you're talking about because I wasn't aware. I wasn't, I repress a lot of stuff because I don't, I don't want to deal with it. It's like, you know, nobody, and nobody wants to see that elephant in the room, but let's just turn our head, let's ignore it because it's very emotional it's very touchy stuff that i i don't want to think as a parent that if i ever did anything wrong to my son and certainly intentionally we don't but by what we are doing me and his dad fought so much that it's like it was it was more it was so much more at that point oh let me get one over on his dad let me be the winner let me be the winner and not even realizing what trauma we put our kids through. The same thing with my parents, to look back and think that, you know, the things that I went through as a child, you know, it's not my mom, so it's all me, it's all me, I'm the victim, I'm the one, I'm the one who did wrong, I'm the one who allowed this and that, but it's not. You know, we, and, I, I, and I'm so glad that, you know, I think my son is able to forgive me and realize that the trauma that I went through as a child affected me growing up and being a parent, and I really just didn't know no better. You know, you don't say to yourself, oh, I'm going to be gone for three days, my kid's going to be okay. You don't think to yourself that what you're putting your child through. We don't think that. 
but it's, it's, I just think, you know, God, and, and I, I, I think that, you know, for this and me, Paul, and with my son, that I never thought I'd be in the place that I am today to, and I do recognize it, and, you know, and every day, every little emotion, every little thing that's going on, sometimes how we had to back step a little bit and look at a, a situation from a different view or whatever. And it's just, um, it's difficult to process the trauma that you went through because it's very painful. And it's like, but to really speak about it and talk about it and to get that brick off your back is a wonderful thing, you know. And there's been a couple of points here recently. I got back with my daughter and talking to her. And it, to, if we just be honest with ourselves and honest with our family and honest with everything, you know, to realize that, you know, we are human and we've made mistakes, maybe not intentionally, but we've made the mistakes and we need to learn from that and move forward. Thank you, Emily. We really appreciate your uh, sharing tonight and, uh, seems like that you're really increasing your step-by-step process of transformation on your journey of self-discovery. Congratulations, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Jody, are you online? I sure am. Jody, I want to ask you two questions. One, you've heard our participants talk about it. For the benefit of the participants that are online that don't understand what it is, could you give us a summarization so when they hear it in the future, they understand the acronym IT? Sure, Paul. So IT is the acronym for our internal thoughts, and it's going to kind of be all those things that we think of in our to ourselves. You talked about the, the mirror experiment, so it's going to be the things that you think about when you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, there's a lot of things tonight that Ray talked about that really tie into that internal thought. You know, when it comes to, like, how we value ourselves, whether we think we're good enough, all those different past program conditions that we received from our parents and our environment, you know, you may have knocked the milk over and you may have had the parents that were like, why are you so clumsy? How would you do that? You need to be more careful, always like yelling at you. And all that stuff's going to build on that internal thought, that it. And it's going to be in that subconscious and it's going to play a part on how we think about ourselves. And it could be good, bad, indifferent, any of those things. And what Ray talked about affirmations. Those work in all directions. They could work in our favor. They could work in a positive enlightenment, and they could be in the negative. We could think of like, oh, our, just those internal thoughts, those remembering what our parents said over and over and kind of reliving those things that they told us. And that kind of all builds on, like we talked about, our self-esteem, and that plays into that internal thought. Thank you for explaining the acronym IT. Now, the second question is, 
apply how complex trauma has affected you in your life. For me, I'll, you know, the, the complex part of the trauma I think is kind of key because there's a lot of times people associate the word trauma with some really big event, something that they, something serious, I guess you could say. And a lot of the things I've read, they talk about kind of a small T trauma and a big T trauma. So there's a different things that you may realize, they might be blatant, they completely easy to recognize, and you're like, yes, this was a trauma I went through. And then there's like smaller things that are a little bit harder to identify. And I think for me, a lot of it comes from my dad and things like that. He was kind of very kind of controlling, I guess, but really more kind of powerful and influential. Um, he had a way of kind of convincing you to accept his um, beliefs and things like that. So a lot of that for me played into my internal thought and my programming. You know, anything from when I was a kid to like always cleaning your plate, always, you know, eat what you, eat what you take type of thing to being hardworking. And a lot of times you look at hardworking and you think, well, that's a, that's a great, you know, attribute to, to be like a hardworking person. But I think for me, we lived on a farm, so a lot of the hardworking attributes that he kind of, I guess, taught me directly or indirectly was that, you know, there's stuff to do. We've got to get this stuff done, and this takes priority. We don't have time to do so much family stuff and things like that. So I, not a whole lot of abuse or abandonment type of thing, but all that stuff kind of plays into that internal thought. And Ray touched on shame. And I think for me, a lot of the shame came from kind of my religious background. You know, anytime you, you break any of the religious rules, you tend to feel a sense of shame and things like that. So I think that shame now kind of plays into, you know, how did I transform what my parents thought to be the best? Because you only know what you know, so they were just doing the best they could, whether it was right or wrong. So that's what I accepted as my internal thought, and that's the only thing I knew. So I kind of raised my kids and my family the same way, and kind of once you become more aware of things and realize more things, you realize that that probably wasn't the best way to do things. And for me, how shame plays in is, I got to understand that just like my parents, I was only doing the best that I could. I knew what I knew. I was trying whatever information I had. Uh, we say we don't know what we don't know. So, you know, we, I have to learn to kind of let that stuff go. Like there's nothing you can do about it now. You got to kind of let the past go, learn from it, uh, be able to identify those things, and, you know, be proactive and change from it. So I like, the, I like uh, the mirror thing too, and it reminds me a long time ago before I knew any of this stuff, um, I remember where I was at at the time looking at the mirror and just being angry with myself and, you know, flipping myself off, completely the opposite of, of saying I love you. And it was, it was kind of interesting because I've, I've heard similar stories of that throughout my journey and things like that where 
people did the same thing. And when you first try the mirror experiment, try to look at yourself in, in a positive light, it's, it's sometimes difficult. And that's a very easy reflection of what your internal thought is telling you about yourself. So I think that's a good, I guess, uh, like a little, little check. Like when you look at yourself, what do you think about? And when you, when you can identify those things, you know, well, that's what you're thinking about even when you're not looking in the mirror. Uh, when you're walking around, when you see other people make a look at you or you're walking by somebody, you're going to think that they're thinking about you the way that you think about you. So until we can kind of identify and confront those things and, and realize that sometimes we're going to create this self-defense mechanism to protect ourselves and protect our internal thought, protect our it, to keep us in that state until we can identify those, you know, we're, we're not really going to be able to change those. So thanks, Paul. Thank you. Uh, Joey, uh, appreciate you explaining what the it factor was and also sharing how the uh, complex trauma has affected you. Really appreciate that. Is there anybody online that would like to share something or say something before we end the conference call this evening? Uh, hey, Jody, I, I just love that you pointed that out. And it always seems to like you bring clarity from a perspective of not having gone through so much, you know, complex trauma. So given your take, it always kind of like solidifies some things that uh, I may be thinking about or just learning for the first time. <laughs> and definitely the point that you made about how that's like a snapshot of how you feel about yourself and to, you know, remind people that we're carrying that with us throughout our day and not even realizing it, you know, so that's, I just think it was a powerful point. Just wanted to you know, reiterate that. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Anybody else like to say or share something before we end the call this evening? All right, gang, appreciate your participation. Uh, don't forget, tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, even your enemies, about our conference call next Thursday night at 7.30. Call in at 515-604-9530. You put in the access code 655-145. Thank you for your participation. We'll talk to you next week, Thursday, 7.30. Bye now.